we started a series on discipleship. We talked about, anyone remember what we talked about last week? Let's see if anyone remembers. Two words, uh, two key words. Follow me. Right? Follow me, right? Jesus told, y'all said fishermen, y'all are correct. But he said, follow me. And what did they do? They what? Immediately followed him, right? And we had two different examples where even his father's in the boat and what happened? Did he consult his father about following him? No, he went right away, right? Immediately. So they went without asking questions. And now you're going to continue talking about what it truly means to follow Christ. I want to ask you a question. How many of you have a person that you can think of that no matter what you do, for some strange reason, you two just cannot get along. And when I'm a person, like you, you just can't get along. No matter what you do, you may bend over backward trying to do what you can to, to help that person do what you can, but you just, for some strange reason, you two will never get along. We all have those people, right? You can be the nicest person in the world, we can do whatever we can. I want to read a story, I want to listen, right? Cara and her sister Miriam were 10 year old twins when they arrived at Auschwitz, which is one of history's most notorious concentration camps. She and Miriam became one of 1,500 sets of twins enrolled in a Nazi's horrific human experimentation program. In addition to living in Iraq and lice infested quarters on a near starvation diet, the girls were routinely subject to humiliation and often harmful studies. Their body parts were measured so the Nazis could compare them to each other and to the other twins. Their blood was drawn and tested. They were injected with what Cork can only speculate were germs and viruses. Cork survived the concentration camp and was freed in 1945. In the 1990s, Cork was given a chance to meet one of the doctors at a concentration camp, Hans Munch. Cork took an incredible next step to decide to forgive Dr. Munch. This is what she said about forgiving him. And immediately I felt that I was no longer a victim. I was no longer a prisoner of my tragic past. I was free. And I was free of the Nazis. I realized that I, the victim of 50 years, had the power even over the angel of death. So if I could forgive the Nazis, I decided I could forgive everyone, she said. When you read something like that, what sticks out to you? Any sticks out? Think about us for a second, right? Forgiveness is a hard thing for us sometimes, right? For little petty things. We don't want to forgive someone because, you know, they said something behind our backs. Here it is, they were in a concentration camp. I mean, a rat infested, everything, I mean, you can imagine. But 50 years later, she decides, I'm going to forgive them. You can also think of a show like Jim Elliott, where here it is, these guys came to, you know, spread the gospel, the Indians. They, you know, thought it was that time, and when they came down, what happened? Anyone know? Anyone watch the atmosphere? They were killed. Right? Now, they had wives, they had they left, they left behind. Now, if, if I was them, I'll be honest, if I was them, I would probably not want anything to do with those people again. But what happened? Their wives went back to reach this, this place, the gospel of Christ. Imagine that. Tonight we're going to talk about something that we all struggle with in here. 
And know that in the church today, sometimes there are some churches that don't like to talk about this, but the reality is that we all struggle with one three-letter word, and that is what? Sin. You know, in today's culture, we try to not talk about sin. We will talk about everything else, we will try to justify everything, but we don't want to talk about sin. We want to fit with the world's model, because if we call something sin sometimes, people think that, oh, you can't do that. Things like same-sex marriage, things like abortion, and the list goes on. The things that we, you know, when we consider when I was growing up to now, when you were going to school and stuff, you know, no comparison, because it becomes accepted. In fact, this week, you know, I saw a picture of someone who I know, their niece, who was just recently married in Georgia, two, two women. And to people, that's all right. It's no big deal. They have a choice. They were born that way. But we know that isn't true. The Bible never says that anyone is born that way. So we want to talk about sin, and we know that the Bible says in Romans 3.23, for all have sin and come short of the glory of God. But if you have your Bible tonight, we want to look at two particular passages. And I want us to understand, because I think sometimes in our, our world and our concept, we think before we come to Jesus, we got to get everything right. we got to be perfect before we come to Jesus. It's a relationship with God. Romans 10, 9 and 13 says that because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is born and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now we read that verse and, I, and we have to make sure we really understand what it's saying. It doesn't just mean that I stand up and I say, Jesus is Lord. Right? The Bible says even the demons believe, right? What is it talking about that we truly and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved? It goes on. For with the heart of one believes and is justified, and with the mouth of one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. But there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, we have to understand what is happening because in that time they were struggling because Jews thought, well, how can the Gentiles accept Christ? Because they thought that it was just for them. Here it is, they're saying, no, there's no distinction. And I think that we need to understand that in our own culture because sometimes we look down on other races, even in our own country. That we think that, you know what, we're better than other people. And I can tell you the truth, Bahamians, Let's be honest, right? Because when we go somewhere, we we, we biggie people, right? How many of you agree that we biggie people? <laughs> All right, we are biggity people. We think like I, I can be honest with you, right? I remember being a teenager and thinking that you know I go away, Miami, I'm from the Caribbean, I'm from the Bahamas, I can do whatever I want to, do because you know, we just cool people. We just cool, you know. It's like no one, there's no no one better than us, right? Sorry, I know we have Americans and are from here, but that's our attitude. We just feel that we're better than people. We do, right? Except, except when it comes to our own, sometimes how we treat our own people, right? In our culture, we treat each other not in a good way, right? Because we will hire people, foreigners all the time, do work for us, nothing wrong with that, but we will do, we'll treat them better than we treat our own people. Here, in this passage, we need to understand that Jesus is saying, look, 
But you, but Paul is saying that you need to have to have a relationship, and you need to understand, and you need to believe in your heart and confess that Jesus is Lord. First John one nine said, "If we confess that Jesus Christ, no, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness." He's faithful. We don't have to think that we have to come perfect to Him because you know what? None of us in this room are perfect. In fact, Romans 3 tells us that we wanted nothing to do with it. Nothing at all. But I want us to really look at Romans 5, 6 to 11. And I want us to really concentrate on this. Because I think we need to understand who we truly were. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Again, what does that tell us? When Christ had a perfect plan, he didn't just spring up one day and say, I'm going to just die, you know, just this day. No, it was at the right time that he came to die. It was the right way. Let me ask you a question. If I die for you, is that going to do anything for you? Huh? No, right? Not at all. Can I die for your sins and pay the price for your sins? No. No, why? Because he loves you. I'm too, right? I'm not perfect. I don't have it all together. Jesus Christ walked the face of the earth and he was a perfect, sinless, and he could pay the price for our sins. It goes on, verse 7. Somebody read it for us. Think about it a second, right? Anyone in this room that died for the enemy? You know, we told that person in the beginning that we just cannot get along with, that no matter what we do. Would you die for that person? No, right? You would die? Alright, one person. You better than me. Right, and then come to, and then I'm going to die for you. No, no. 
He came for us, He died for us while we're still sinners. Basically, when we wanted nothing to do with Him. Nothing to do with God. Let me ask you a question. If you try your best to get a relationship with someone, a friend, or whatever, you try to do all you can, you, you pursue you know, this relationship like you started in the beginning, and that person wants nothing to do with you. Are you going to continue to pursue that relationship with that person? No. No, you're going to give up, right? Yeah. What if God did that with us? What if God said, you know what, you want nothing to do with me, so I, I've done enough, and I'm tired, I'm tired of pursuing you now, I'm tired of anything. What would happen to us? None of us would have a relationship with it. No. Because I can guarantee you that there are some of us in this room who would say that we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that the first time we ever heard the gospel, we did not respond. In fact, I know in my life, I could go numerous of times, think about it, over and over, that I said no. But it continued. God continued to assume. It's nothing that I did, nothing for us, but God. Somebody read that for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him who brought for us. So we have to understand something here, right? We have two we have two choices, right? We either can accept what Christ did for us. <laughs> A free gift of salvation, or we can reject it. What did he save us from? The wrath of God. You see, let me let me tell you something. That I think sometimes we try to when we talk about hell, you know, we like to talk about the fire and we think it's but you know, all that. But you want to know the worst thing about it, rejecting Christ? What is it? Total loneliness. Total loneliness. Um, I studied. But the greatest thing for me is this, not to, that we're gonna, you know, be hot, but you'll be separated from God forever. That's the greatest, that, that's the worst thing. That you will be eternally separated from God. And I think for each one of us, I think that that is something that we need to ask ourselves. Is, do I truly have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Or what is it in my life that I need as, if I call myself Christian, what is it that I need to give up for Christ? Because we are all holding on to different baggage. This is another one. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son. Much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by His life? Again, we were His enemies. We wanted nothing to do with Him, but now we're reconciled because nothing we did, because of the price He paid for us. The last verse. More than that, we also rejoice in God for our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. I want to ask you a question then. 
And, you know, for me, you'll know I tell you this all the time, that I don't want to scare anyone into a religion of Jesus Christ. Because I don't believe in scaring you. But I want to ask you this question. Do you know for sure where you spend eternity? Do you know for sure that if something were down you tonight, that you would spend eternity with Christ? Or are those questions in your mind that, like, you know, I don't know, you know, I, I think so. It's because the challenge for each one of us, even tonight, as we consider, you know, where we are with Christ, is we're either with Him or we're not. There's no in-between here. There's no, you know, like we're on a, a piece of wood, and we if we fall one way or the other, that's what it is. There's no one foot in this side, one foot on that side. You see, I think too many times we think that in our own lives, we think, you know what? I'm young. I have a lot of time. I can live my life the way I want right now, and who cares? Because I have a lot of time left. But I don't know about you, but I've been reading newspapers a lot lately. And last week, two weeks, we've had a 15 year old shot and murdered, a 16 year old, and a 17 year old shot and murdered. In two weeks. Now, am I telling you how to scare you? No. But I want you to think. I want you to think because you know what? Anything else but a relationship with Christ is a wasted life. You can pursue all the great things in life that you want. You can pursue the greatest education you want. You can pursue the greatest occupation, the great whatever it is. But if you don't have Christ, you have nothing. You have nothing. So I'm going to challenge you. When I close with this, I want to start at the beginning. We're all sinners. We're all sinners. But God changed it. Because He sent His Son to die for us so that we could have a relationship with Him. Application is this sin separates us from a relationship with Christ. So we needed him to step in and pay the price for our sin. We need to be reconciled to Christ. We needed him because he had to send his son, the perfect lamb, the perfect sacrifice, to pay the price for our sins. So I challenge you tonight, if you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, talk to your small group leader. You can talk to me afterwards. But don't leave here with questions. Ask us the questions. Because that's what we're here for. Father, we just thank you for your love, thank you for your grace, thank you for your mercy. And Father, I pray that as we go into our small groups, I pray that you would just guide us and direct us during this time, Father, that we would um, just bring the things, the questions to our minds that we need to ask our leaders. Pray that you would allow us to just discuss your word and pray that we would just gain a better understanding. And just thank you and pray that you Amen. 